I think as God would have it, about late midweek, late Wednesday evening, early Thursday morning, our sermon preparation sort of took a, a big turn and kind of went from one direction to another and um, had a chance to meet with a family this week, uh, someone who passed away related to this church and uh, met with that family, just that family, it was just such an impressive family and had been sort of affirming some things I had in my mind about our text that we read today from Genesis and some other things that came up. And in fact, those of you who use the upper room uh, probably remember that you read part of that text this week. And um, there was a question about that that someone brought up that just sort of confirmed for me that this is something we need to address or something that we need to spend time on. And it's the story of the binding of Isaac, we call it. Now, it's a familiar story to many of us, a story about obedience and faithfulness and promise, right, and maybe trust. It's one that people have been trying to make sense of, too, for a very long time. And as you heard the story and as you read it, you can understand, God, you've got some explaining to do, right? How could God ask Abraham such a thing to do? It's common after we read this story, on Sundays that we read this, we, we sing the song, Here I Am, Lord, right? And that's sort of to connect us to Abraham each time God called or even Isaac called out to Abraham and the angel of the Lord called out to him. Abraham responded with, Here I Am, right? And then that same kind of obedience and faithfulness we want to be able to respond with, Here I Am. And we can sort of get into that and we can pull out those kinds of things, kind of like we did in our Sunday school class, and pull out those things we can affirm in the story about faithfulness and obedience and, and things like that. But the reality is that this story bothers a lot of people. It has for a long time and it still does today because, like we've already asked, how could God ask Abraham to do such a thing? To sacrifice not only his son, but his only son, right? And maybe not so much his only son, but the son connected to that great promise that Abraham had been given by God. Now, when you read this story, there are a few explanations that you probably get every time. Right? A few things that you'll, um, you'll look at and people will sort of use to explain. And the first is... Sometimes people will jump straight to the end of the story, skip the details, and think, well, you know what? At the end, God provided, right? Abraham didn't have to sacrifice his son because God provided another sacrifice. So in the end, God provided. Right? And that's one way to look at it. What we talked about in Sunday school is this is, a, this is a preacher's land, a gold mine, right? Because we can sort of read this in and we could just preach Jesus all day about this task, this story, right? About a son, a father offering up his son, which makes us kind of remember the whole God and Jesus thing, right? And uh, Isaac has the wood. He's carrying the wood on his back. Makes you remember, think about maybe the cross, which was made out of wood, which was put on Jesus back. And you can sort of read those things into it. And even the sacrifice part of it as well. And I think that's helpful and it's okay. And some people have also looked at the story and tried to explain it and they've said, well, Abraham misunderstood God. 
You, you went a little too far, Abraham. That's not exactly what God had in mind. You didn't need to bring the wood. We were talking about a spiritual sacrifice. Maybe, maybe not. But however you try to make sense of the story, I think is okay. Actually, you may decide you don't want to make sense of the story at all. Some people have done that. that the story is just too, too confusing, too hard, too, uh, too much of a defamation of God's character even that God would ask Abraham to do such a thing. Some people have even suggested that this passage should not be preached on anymore because it sort of paints a weird picture of God, kind of. And I'm under the, the understanding that it's in the Bible, it's there, and it has been for a very long time, and instead of doing away with it, we can struggle with it, just like many generations of our Christian brothers and sisters have throughout time. And so we can try to struggle with it and try to make sense of what's really going on in the story. And I want you to do that. We make places where we can do that. But today, I want you to take a different, slight different approach to it. I asked you as we read it together to put yourself in the story, to pick a character, any character, and sort of hear the story told out as you were that character. How many of you decided to be Abraham? Any hands? I mean, think about what you're feeling as God's telling you, take your son, your only son, and offer him as a burnt offering. Well, you know, Abraham responded and got up the next day and went on and and did this thing, but didn't talk about how he's feeling, doesn't have any, talk about any questions, but we maybe have questions. How many of you decided to be the, the two men that went with Abraham? Anybody? You're just kind of going along for the ride. Don't know what's going on, right? These guys. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Anybody decide to try to be Isaac? What's going through your mind as you read the story through Isaac's lenses? <laughs> Anybody decide to be the wife? Where y'all going? Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah, she's never mentioned, right? It's easy to take Abraham's perspective, and a lot of times we do. And we say we want to have the faith like Abraham had, and we want to have the trust that Abraham had in God, and that's okay. But I want you to think about Isaac's response. I think that's going to help us today. And, and you heard how the story goes. Essentially, God tells Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, and, and offer him, right? And so you've got to figure Abraham goes to Isaac and says, Hey, son, you want to go to an outing with me tomorrow? Isaac says, Sure, Dad, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And so they get up early in the morning. They get the donkey ready. They even got people to come help them, and they start going. I paid attention. They were, they were gone for a while because it's not until the third day that they finally get to where they're going, close to where they're going, to the mountain. And, you know, who knows what they're talking about along the way. Maybe they're talking about where they're going. 
Maybe they're talking about what they're going to do. Maybe Isaac's like, Dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Who, who knows what's going on in this conversation as we're traveling these three days? But they finally get there. And then they, they have the two guys that are with them, and they, hey, you know what? I'm going to keep the donkey here. Me and the boy, we're going to go up by ourselves, wait here. We'll be back. Cross your fingers, right? And so then Isaac and his dad are going, and, you know, Isaac's in his mind. It's kind of working. Wait a minute. I know we were coming up here for a burnt offering, he said, right? Hey, Dad, um, did we forget something on the donkey? I don't see the lamb anywhere. Well, son, God will provide. Okay. What's interesting about this is we're not quite sure how old Isaac was, whether he was a small boy because he's able to walk. Some say uh, maybe early teens, excuse me, late teens. Some say 20s. Some even say as old as 37. Kind of hard to tell and kind of hard to pick that out. Makes it interesting if you kind of think about how, how old he is because now we get to where we're going and we stop and Abraham starts to build his little altar. Son, bring me that stuff you got too, please. We get that. Uh, son, you come here too, please. And he, he bound him. Now, it doesn't talk about exactly how he bound him, how much or whatever, but you got to think, this is probably a crazy process. Does Isaac finally get what's going on? Or is this some kind of crazy camping game? What's wrong? My dad lost his mind, acting a fool. No wonder we couldn't bring my sister because he knew I'd want to do that to her, right? But here we are, and if there was any confusion before, as you're laying on that altar yourself, I think the confusion's gone. And just in case there was just a little bit more confusion left, when your dad goes to raise the knife, I think by then you pretty much got it figured out what's going on here. I don't know what Isaac's feeling. We, we don't know anything about what, what Isaac's feeling, what's going on in his mind as he's laying there on this altar that his dad has built, bound with his dad over him with a knife ready to take his life. Now in the story... God provides. Amen? And I imagine that at God's provision, Abraham is thrilled. I imagine Isaac's okay with it too <laughs> because God has provided. But you've got to believe that's an awkward walk home. Dad, you were about to do what? And, and who told you to do that? Are you serious? Now, now think about this. Okay, no son, God provided. Maybe they worshiped there and maybe Abraham got Isaac to, to follow along and everything was fine. And Isaac said, okay, I believe you. But put yourself in Isaac's shoes maybe three weeks down the road. Abraham says, hey son, you want to go out with me? I think I hear my mama calling. Sorry, I got to. Yeah, somebody take my sister, please. <laughs> 